0: What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Deads Game Podcast. This is awesome Hazelnuts here as always. And I'm sure you guys just noticed, yes, the live stream format will be paused for the time being. For the past few weeks, for maybe around 3 weeks, I've been experimenting a lot with uh, streaming it live. Recording it live in front of everyone. But the big problem about recording it live is that it affects my Twitch uh you twitch a uh, viewer count because we do have some channel analytics, which means that if I were to stream Legends for Runeterra, such as playing it consistently on my stream, I will usually get around 20 viewers, around 25 viewers, and that would actually aid me in getting my partner status very quickly. My aim for getting partners is by the end of the year, maybe even by the end of next year. But the thing is that if I were to record my podcast live on my stream it will affect the number of viewers that I have because the, the amount of time in which I spend recording or the amount of time I spend recording is around like maybe 45 minutes to 50 minutes, which is the length of one episode of my podcast. And so the live streams for that will usually be incredibly short. And so the number of viewers that could potentially watch it per stream is around five to six because most people don't come into my stream until the second hour or during the third hour just when I'm about to close up my stream. And so after further deliberation and thinking about the future of live streaming it onto Twitch, maybe even onto YouTube in the future, maybe I'll save that when I have a guest with me, which means that the live stream format will only be available when I have a guest, which I've uh, scheduled in the future. And I do have a couple of guests that I'll be having on my desk Game podcast in the future. So do take note. And I will definitely be announcing it live, so you can just follow me on Twitter, at Johan Lok. The thing is that I'm trying to find a way to change my Twitter username, because I do not want to use it, I do not want to use my real name. I'm pretty sure there's a way to put Awesome Hazelnuts. And you guys, you want to know the big reason why Awesome Hazelnuts isn't in my Twitter handle? It's because if you combine the words Awesome Hazelnuts together, it is 16 characters. And the maximum limit for characters on Twitter is 15. Which means that no matter what, I'll not be able to name or will not be able to change my Twitter handle to Awesome Arts Unless I try to short form here and there and squeeze in the names properly and yeah, probably everybody will, have, will know that it's me. Because I do want to brand it as Awesome Mizian because when it comes to gaming, that's the kind of direction I want to take. In terms of other content, maybe I'll just go back to using my original name. But that's for the future, for my future podcast, for all my talk shows and everything. Because if you guys are not aware, I'm trying to move towards doing something more media-related. Something like a Joe Rogan podcast in the future. Joe Rogan experience, sorry. And so for the time being, I'll still be playing Legends of Runeterra. And I just concluded yesterday's Seasonals which was an incredibly fun rollercoaster of a ride. And so we all know that Seasonals has changed its format. It's now 9 rounds instead of 5 rounds. And the first thing that comes to mind is that, you know, it's an incredibly long tournament. The start time may be not favourable for you. I do not know that some players in Australia have to play in the North American time zone, which is basically 2am for their time zone, which is for us, is around 1am. And can you imagine you have to operate like a 24-hour schedule? Because most of the time, you'll be sleeping in the morning. Early in the morning, 12am, 1am, you'll most likely be asleep. For myself, I sleep at around 10pm. And so by then, I'll be sleeping already. By 9, by 8 o'clock, I'll be incredibly tired. That's usually me because if you guys watch my stream, you guys know that I don't stream very long during the weekdays because I usually try to turn off my computer by around 9, 9 9.15 and I'll go and read a book, I'll go for a walk and then I'll just have an early night because that's been my lifestyle for the past maybe 6 years ever since I was in the military and then I went to college and then I started working. And so that's been my life for the past 6, maybe even 7 years. And it's very hard for me to change it up, and it's really not something which I want to compromise. But regardless, I still think that 9 rounds is incredibly long. Because back then when we played in um, national championships, because we didn't have the automation of computer systems for tournaments in the past, everything was done in person, and most tournaments were split to 2 days, which was quite logical. It's usually around 8 hours between both days if you can play all the way to the finals. And so during the open rounds, you'll usually be around 6-7 rounds of Swiss, and then if you do not get the Swiss score of maybe 5-2 or better, 5-2, 6-0, 7-0, you'll not be able to go to day 2, because day 2 is most likely going to be people fighting for the top cut. You need at least, what, 7-2, one 9-0 to make it to the next round. And that's the thing about in the past. And we didn't have like computer systems to tabulate scores and everything. People still use computer, a bit of computer, but it's mostly handwritten. They used like paper and pen to write down the scores, which was very, very old school. If you guys remember from the mom and pop card shops at your nearby hobby shop, that's how we did tournaments in the past. And in terms of Swiss scores, I mean, in terms of our Swiss ratings and all that, there was no ladder seeding and everything. It was slowly based on your Swiss score. What's the number of wins you have, and all that that really affected whether you can make the top cut. And so, in this system of the seasonals, where they incentivize players to get a top cut for season, a top cut in the ladder, basically getting maybe top fifty ladder, top forty, top thirty, top twelve is guaranteed to go seven two, and you can advance to day two. I think this is a very good step in the right direction. Because a lot of players, if you are consistently playing the game, you're, you'll most probably be able to go into the top 12 of the ladder. Won't be no surprise, you'll be easily get top 12 and then top 12, you hit 7-2, you got insurance policy and then you advance to day 2. Or maybe you are way consistent, you go 8-1 and then you just pass down your slot to the top 13, the thirteen place guy will get a 7-2 and he'll advance. Or if you are like a god, you go 9-0, you beat everyone, you're like... The Rock, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena. And then, of course, you'll make it into Day 2 as well. And so i would say that there are many different ways of uh, qualifying to Day 2. And I think this is very different from the 5-0. Because if it's just a 5-0 format, right, a lot of things can go wrong. Everyone knows that a lot of things can go wrong. Because 5 rounds of Swiss... Okay, 5 rounds of Swiss with uh 5 or maybe, no, around 32 players or 64 players in tournament. 5 rounds of Swiss is okay, man. Because there's only going to be like one person who goes 5-0 and the rest will go 4-1. Everything will be decided by the number of wins that you have during your switch rounds, number of X minus 1 or whatever you call it. And yeah, you'll be easily able to reach the top 32 or the top 16 or top 8 if you want to. Because when you look at the math, because there's a lot of websites that help you tabulate scores. What's the best possibility? How many players would you go 5-0? How many players would you go 4-1? Which will advance day 2 or even to the top card. And so from this... I would say that ever since they changed the 5-0 to the 9-0 format, it's really, really anyone's ballgame. No doubt, you if you do not place into the top 50 ladder, you have 2 losses and you're out. Yeah, that's fine, because you have essentially you have uh, 2 lives, right? You either go 9-0 or you go 8-1. No, actually you only have 1 life, so if you lose 1 game, you have to win every single game all the way. And I would say that this is has to be one of the best formats I've seen. Because it's really hard to do an online tournament with thousand plus players, and then let's say if you do not factor in the the rank the rank ladder the the amount of uh, LP that you have, and then everyone's gonna start arguing. You know, I I, I went seven two. Why did I go to day two? But now with the rank system in place, I say that it's a very good thing to incentivize players to put in time to the game, get the insurance policy, and they're able to make day two. And so, but the problem is that even though it's a nine rounds, the most important thing that I mentioned in the last podcast episode is that it is 10 hours, guys. 10 hours is no easy feat. I'm sure most of my brothers here listening to my podcast, you guys work or maybe you guys are working full-time. Maybe you are running your own business. Like sure, 10 hours for a guy running his own business is easy peasy. I know back in the days when if you just start your business, you're easily going to spend 16, 17, 18, maybe even 24 hours a day working your own business. You're looking for different ways to make money, you know, trying to make different ways to make your idea stand out, trying to get the right sponsors, you're trying to get the right investors and all that. Yeah, it's not easy. But thing is that for business, you're more or less set to achieve something. Because what's the worst that can happen, right? You fail, right? You just learn from it, create another one. Well, That's a lot of things that a lot of people don't know. Because when it comes to business, right, failure is, I would say it's inevitable. You're either going to fail building your first business or you you go to the moon, you know, it's, it's a success. But the thing is that eventually, one wrong thing you do, one wrong thing that you say during maybe a conference or whatever, because nowadays with the internet, anybody can just record what you say, and all of a sudden, your reputation gets destroyed, your credibility gets destroyed, your company gets destroyed, and guess what? It's very hard for you to make a comeback. So when it comes to a lot of things, yeah, I actually I am going off topic about the business part. It's something which I'm planning to do, actually, maybe in the next year or the next few years, Yes, something which a lot of people have to take in mind. Because when it comes to Legends of Runeterra, you can't play it forever. Yes, I've been saying that for a long damn time, right? You can't play it forever. But there has to be a time where you stop. And so when it comes to the 10 hours format, let's say you're working a full-time job. At most you work, what? 7 hours? 6 hours? I, I know some people don't even spend more than 4 hours working. Because let's be honest, even though you spend like 8 hours in the office, you're not going to work all the time. You're going to be surfing the web. Going on Reddit, reading cryptocurrency Reddit. i got to search up whether Dogecoin hits the moon. Let's see whether Safe Moon is a, is a worthy crypto to buy. You're actually checking out Palantir to see whether it's a worthy US stock to get in. Because, you know, Palantir is pretty sick, especially with Peter Thiel running it. Because Peter Thiel is one of the PayPal co-founders. And so really, really guys, I'm, I'm sure none of you guys will be spending 8 hours straight working, 9 hours straight working, 10 hours working. Impossible. Everyone's gonna take a break. Eventually, you're gonna go to the toilet and all that. Okay, let's just eliminate the toilet, lunch but everything. 8 hours in the office. It's tough, right? And so when we talk about it, there'll be 9 rounds of Swiss. And most players will most probably go all 3 games. Unless you go 2-0, because you, you go 2-0 every round, because you know that your lineup counters almost everything. You prepare the perfect lineup. And so I would say that nine 9 rounds is incredibly long. 10 hours is long. And from my own experience, right, from start to finish, during the first five rounds before the break, I was extremely, extremely full of energy. Because in the afternoon, that's where I actually get most of my stuff done. Early morning and afternoon is where I really get a lot of stuff done. And I'll say that I play my best Legends of Runeterra, especially in the morning and in the afternoon. At night is where I'm prepared to fall asleep. I shouldn't even be using the computer at night. I'll usually be reading my books. But due to me wanting to achieve something by streaming, I've been playing at night. I've been uh, sort of just hurting my eyes a little bit. But you know what? Just need to sacrifice the, the the short run for the long run, right? But the thing is that, okay guys, I'll still be streaming at night for the near future. But the thing is that, like I said, the, the, the best parts or the best time of the day for you to get things done is in the morning and in the afternoon. Unless you're a night person, that means you totally messed up your entire body clock system. Because in the long run, they already hurt you a lot. And that's the thing, when you play long hours, especially in the morning and afternoon, I really felt really amazing. Those 5 rounds were easy peasy. But all of a sudden, when they reached around nighttime, around 5-6pm, to 6 PM, I could feel the grogginess. I really wanted to fall asleep, really. I was really, like, spent, I used up most of my energy cells playing the game. And what I did was, you know what, I just went to, I went for a swim, that's the best part. I actually went on to some guy's stream, Moonboy's stream, and I told him that, oh, you know what, I'm done in round 5, I'm going to go for a swim, because that was a short 10-minute break. So I went for a swim, I come back, because I needed to get a boost of adrenaline in my body. Because if I don't have the boost in adrenaline, I'll probably be not able to complete the 4 rounds. Because to me, I qualified through the gauntlet. I know, I, I was very pepe guard, I was sitting at around 300 LP, before the, the, the thing locked. But the thing is that, I was wanted to test out a ladder, because when I was thinking about it, if I can't maintain 300 LP or I can't advance to final LP, then there's a very high chance that I will not make it to day two. Because even though I sat on LP, I learned from last season, even though I sat on LP, I sat around 350-ish LP, even though I sat on that LP, right, I have to go 4-1 to advance. And the thing is that even though I have, how to say, I have confidence that I'll be able to last season, I didn't manage to do it. In fact, I lost the first two rounds and I was essentially out. And so what I thought was that, you know what, since I know that I can perform well in the tournament, doesn't really matter the amount of LP that I have. Because eventually, the only thing that really decides whether I advance is I can't lose more than two games. And so I just split the ladder, I got all the way to zero LP before the before the, the Thursday lock. The the, what you call that? the rank lock, the LP lock. And then I just thought to myself, you know what, I really qualified to go on What's the worst that can happen? You know, 0 LP. Let's just go for it, guys. And so I just played it. I went 7-0 during my first 7 switch rounds. And to me, I already thought, you know what? This is actually pretty amazing. Because compared to the last two seasonals, where I totally scrapped out getting 0-2 in both seasonals, I would say that in the past two seasonals, the the lineup that I brought was incredibly questionable. It was lineup switch. I felt that it was going to be really good because I had a lot of practice on those decks. But somehow it didn't materialize because, you know, bring a certain deck. I brought Ash Sejuani in a meta where it was filled with tons of mid-range disruption, Driven Ezreal, all that. It was only able to counter Fear Russian. I got dumpstered by Aggro, I got dumpstered by Driven Ezreal, and that really taught me a lesson. Even though you're comfortable with one deck, it's better to play something which fits into the overall landscape of the tournament all the meta it is and then for the second seasonals which was last season I also brought three decks which I was incredibly comfortable with the first one was some A-Soul deck another was a freeze Ezreal and the last one was a was a was a deck in which uh, a viewer of mine suggested I played it I enjoyed it and I brought it but the thing was that I was quite unfortunate to face aggro on both rounds and I just scrubbed out which meant the end of my run during both seasons and so for this I went 7-0 during the first 7 rounds of Swiss for the for the uh the pass of the ascended seasonal tournament. I felt really good because this lineup was something which I have been preparing for the past 3 weeks during the announcement of the 9 rounds, and with the way the meta has shifted, I thought to myself, there's no better time to bring these 3 decks. And the 3 decks that I brought were Trundle Lissandra Control. This is no surprise. I think TLC is the best deck in the game. I don't think any other deck can beat this deck. Because this deck is just absurd. It's just crazy because the moment you reach, what, turn 8, you have double Ice pillars, Fading Memories, Matron, and Lissandra in your hand, you're probably just going to win on the spot. There is no thing they can counter it apart from uh, maybe some Comet, some stuff, Falling Comet, Supernova, but that's a huge mana comito. And a lot of players are not forgetting that Matron has Fearsome. So okay, is this spawn double Matron and whack, whack, that's 12 damage in one turn. A lot of decks have tough time blocking against it and there's a, a lot of hidden tricks behind this deck. In terms of TLC, I already played very little games on it, I played maybe around 15-20 games because I knew that when it comes to this deck, you don't really need a lot of practice because when it comes to it, it's very clear cut. You play against aggro, you just you just need to bring the same concept of Feel the Rush, same concept of War Mother Control, same concept of running those Heavy Remover, Anivia, all that. You just need to bring your experience playing those decks into TLC. And just know that you don't need to wait for turn 10, you just need to go turn 8 and you just win the game. If you can't win by turn 8, it's usually turn 9 or turn 10. By then your opponent should be dead by then because you have so much removal, so much sustain. And let's not forget that Lissandra's level has armor, it goes into the late game, it goes into almost everything unscathed because of the infinite eye shots. And then, you know what, easy peasy, your opponent just scrubs. And the second deck I brought was uh, Deep. I think Deep is in a very good spot right now because of Sea Scarab and the buff. To drag dredges, the game has the, the the entire game or the way the the way deep has changed the the play style is very different. Because back then we used to run withering whale, grass and dying, double copies, of atrocity, some run ruination and vengeance, but now all these cards can be cut from the deck because we are running the turbo deep. It is a deck I've been playing a lot on stream. In fact, I would say I average around fifty to sixty games on it. I'm very confident in the deck because when it comes to it, deep beats everything. Its worst enemy is itself and the mirror match, which is incredibly atrocious. Because when it comes to the mirror match, whoever reaches deep first wins the game. This is no surprise because around 8-9 months ago, when it comes to the deep mirror, usually comes down to that, right boys. Whoever reaches deep fast wins the game. There are many different versions, some run Jettison and all that, but the version that I run is a very clear cut. I would say that most deep decks run the same thing, I don't run any removal. I don't run vengeance. I don't run withering whale. I don't run ruination. I just run a super turbo list without jettison, and so I'll able to I'll be able to reach deep if I have a good hand by turn five, turn six, and by turn seven when Nautilus comes down with treasures of the little the depths, yeah, the treasure. I can get four mana a of eyes out, and then there's a very neat trick that you can do is to use stalking shadows to get four mana copies of a uh, a of eye, and then you play it. And then you're able to cheese your opponent with a whole fleet of Abyssal IOTK, easily averaging to 18 damage, easily, or 12 damage, because during your early game, during an early mid game, you'll be chipping in some damage through Jaw Hunters, through your Dead Bloom Wanderer, and all that. And then I also play three copies of the, uh, what's that card called? Uh, the 2 mana 2 3, which gives you vulnerable, the Bridge Water Card, I forgot what it's called, but everyone knows what it is. And the final deck, Zoe Aso. I know Shivana Aso is the best Aso variant, because it's very mid-rangey, but to me, Zoe Aso is the deck I've been playing ever since four months ago, ever since the start of the year. I played Garrett Aso in December, and so this is the deck where everybody knows me by, it. and by the way, everybody, when they see me, they just ban it, because, you know, when it comes to Zoe Aso, I don't think that, okay, I don't want to sound very arrogant or what, but I'll say that, when it comes to playing Zoe Aso, I have to be, I will say, the best player, when it comes to Zoe Aso, for this, but just for this deck, I want to say overall I'm the best player yet. I've not won seasonals, I've not qualified for World Championship yet. But I can say certainly that when it comes to Zoe Aso, I am the number one Zoe Aso in the Southeast Asia region. And I know that I'm going to get flamed for this, but you know what, I don't care. I know I'm the best when it comes to this deck. Because everybody balls string when they see me play it. And everybody just bans it when they see my name. It's not, it's not even ban TLC, just bans Zoe Aso. And that's, that's how it gets to it, because nobody wants to see me play at that. And when it comes to the tournament, I'll say that I didn't drop a single game with Zoe Aso, because it's always banned. And when I get a chance to play it, which is only during one round, yeah, I just want it. And then, for TLC, I'll say that I have lost some games here and there, because TLC is very... Sometimes if you draw a bad hand, you just lose, or your opponent open the nuts, and you are not able to fight against the onslaught of the whiteboard without removal. Because there's some chances that you don't draw avalanche, you don't draw your withering wheel. you don't draw blighted ravine, and you just lose the game from there. So, when it comes to TLC, it's the most 60-40-ish, 40% 40 chance of losing all the time, and sometimes you just lose because your opponent draws the nuts. And then when it comes to deep, you either go all-in, that means you reach deep ASAP, if not, you just lose the game. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not even, (laughs) I'm not even kidding guys. Deep is weird, because sometimes you just instantly lose when you draw the very Pepega hand, which is what? Nautilus, Devour of the Depths, Abyssal Eye, and Selvage. And then you're just wondering, oh gosh, I don't even have anything to answer that. Really guys, it really happens. I'm not even kidding at this point. Sometimes you just open a tower of hand where <laughs> you just lose to yourself. Like I mentioned, I really played Deep for a very long time. <laughs> and really, really guys, there are some hands which you really can't play. I do want to say that Deep is the best thing in the game. Because from all my testing, from all the things that I've played there really is no counter even though some might say that you know nasus trash or susan (laughs) susan susan might be really powerful against deep because there's a way to leverage maokai's saplings then trash gain the counters and all that because deep during the early game has very small creatures which will easily be countered by trash everything adds up trash drops the nasus and yeah with fearsome you can't really block well unless you go deep because when you look at the, the deep deck a lot of things are very low attack and there's a cap to how much how much how big they can be. And Nasus just stops a lot of things. And yeah, and that's that's a big reason why I'll say that Deep sometimes it loses against Susan. And then when it comes to overall lineup, I say that Zoe ASO has to be the most well-rounded deck, 50-50 at best against everything. I don't know that some of you guys have already concluded your seasonals. You might be advancing to day two. Congrat- congratulations to all of that. And I would highly recommend that this lineup of mine is very well-rounded to fight against almost every single deck in the meta. So you might ask me, what is my targeted bans? I would say that the the deck that I'm always targeting is Lee Zoe. Because when you look at all three of my decks, they just suffer against Lee Zoe a lot. If not, if there's are slowly Lee Zoe together with TLC in the same lineup, it's up to you, man. I ban Lee Zoe because Lee Zoe is the kind of deck where if the player knows how to play, you just get dumpstered and steamrolled. And so I just banned it and then, yeah, I just got destroyed by TLC during my final round. And during the final two rounds, I lost, which was kind of sad. I was really feeling very tired at that point because I was playing for like, what, eight hours straight and I really wanted to take a break. And I didn't eat the whole day because when you eat, right, you get very tired. And so I just avoided it. I just relied on water, tea, and fruit juice to survive the entire round. I didn't even feel hungry throughout the entire process. And so I really, really think that I had the chance to go all-in, and get 8-1, 9-0. I was actually aiming 9-0, because I was very confident in my lineup. One thing is that, you know, something's happened, and unfortunately, I'll not be able to make the top cut. I'll have to qualify for Worlds through another way. And yeah, that's a World Championship announcement, right? I'm pretty sure most of you guys were aware of it before I was even aware, because I sleep very early. The next day I wake up, and I reach back home, I turn on the Legends from Terra Subreddit, and I saw, wow, that's a World Championship announcement. And so you either have to get top four at uh every seasonals, or at least once. If not, you have to get wins through seasonals. If not, you have to go through the ladder points. That means they'll just take the what top 12 players every season, get their their highest seed score, LP, and then they just calculate. And so really, when it comes to this, I think that there are many different ways to qualify for worlds. For me, I'll definitely be aiming for worlds as a short term goal. After I qualify for Worlds, then we'll talk about a whole new suite of issues. And so, you ask me what are the decks that you have to watch out for. I will say that the first deck is other than TLC. Because TLC is, in the hands of anybody, it is a very potent deck. It is not a hard deck to play. It is very easy to execute. Other than the board space or all that, I really think that it is the deck to beat. It beats almost everything. Every single deck, except maybe Lee Zoe. But even Lee Zoe has a tough time, because if you don't draw Lee, you just lose the game. And so TLC is something which uh you guys had to watch out for. And I do think that the Watcher needs a nerf, which I'll get into, into the second part of my podcast today. And the next deck is Nasu's Trash. I, I think that the uh, Curse Keeper plus the Battle Caretaker opening is just too absurd. It is very crazy. In fact, I have PTSD thinking about Nasu's Trash. Because each time I lost in a tournament, it's always to Nasu Trash. Yeah, I always lost to Nasu Trash. And Draven Ezreal, these are the two decks which has been putting a lot of work against me. But in terms of Draven Ezreal... Okay, Draven Ezreal is not so much, but I say Nasu Trash. I think Nasu Trash is... When they high rolls and he gets really good hands, he does have the best mid-range hands possible. Because the thing is that Blighted Caretaker, right? It pops their... Their, what? Curse Abomination. The, the 2 mana 4-3. And they just pull everything in the 2-1, they stabilize the early game. The 4-3, the 2-1, and potentially another thing will be hitting face. That's why like 8 damage easily, and they clear your bot. And you can't really come back from that, because of the amount of life that you have. You'll be down to what, 10 life, 8 health? Sometimes your opponent will open a turn 1 destiny mate in Keeper, and that's really, really, very hard to come back. And I'll say that, overall as a deck, the Nasus isn't that much of a problem, it's always the early mid game that makes it, Insufferable. Because a lot of decks, they can't really deal with the Susan early game, or the Nasus trash. It's really, really, very really hard to come back from that. And Nasus is fine. I think Nasus doesn't need any hits or anything. It's just that the opening, together with the late game insurance of Atrocity, that makes everything intolerable, or really, really, very annoying. I'll say that Atrocity is a card where it is time for it to get some sort of rebalancing, And that's actually the whole point of today's episode, which is the two cards which I believe needs to get hit, The Watcher and Atrocity. And so let's move to the second part of today's episode or the podcast. Let me take a sip of water before we continue. Alright boys. And so let's talk about the second part of today's podcast, which is uh, the and Atrocity. We all know that Fiora got hit in the previous patch, together with Aphelios, together with Hilt Temple, with Twister Fate. The three strongest champions in the game got hit. And all of a sudden, the one champion which went untouched was maybe uh, Lissandra. And another one was Lee And so when I think about it, right now there are three cards which are totally changing the way the game is played. Lee Sin, The Watcher and Atrocity. In the in my last or the previous, previous episode, I talked about Lee Sin, whether it needs to get nerfed. But now we need to focus our attention on The Watcher and Atrocity. So let's talk about The Watcher first. Okay, when it comes to The Watcher, right, I think that its ability of obliterating an entire deck, it's a bit too strong. Because when Watcher was first announced, right, I always compared it to... Maokai. Maokai is the champion where you really need to toss 25 cards or 25 things can destroyed and then you summon it and you toss your opponent deck down to 4 cards. Which means that your opponent has still 4 turns to outplay you, 4 turns to survive. And sometimes it's not really that much of a win-con, that kind of thing. Against some decks, it's death sentence. Especially against ASO, especially against TLC, it's a death sentence. But you really have to work your way towards milling everything down to 25, or having things getting destroyed to 25, and it is a very hard condition to hit. Really guys, it's not that easy as it seems, unless you open the, the su- supreme premier hand, you, you get it by what, turn turn 5, turn 6, which is near impossible, most likely when Maokai reaches his wing con, it is what, turn 9, turn 10, and that's really a, a long stretch. Compare it to the Watcher, where you don't need to run cuts, where you need to toss, you don't need synergy. You don't need anything. You just need Matron. You just need Ice Pillars, and that's why Trundle and Lissandra fit so well together. Because of the Ice Pillar it generates to get fading memories, you're easily able to generate the Watcher easily. Matron can copy a, a copy of the Watcher, and then Watcher comes down. And you know what? Watcher just Watcher things, your Holder is get destroyed. Sometimes the main Watcher doesn't even need to be dropped. The ephemeral Watcher is all it needs to take to close out the game. And that's why I say that, the Watcher, right, is not, that, uh, fun to play against. Because when it comes to Maokai, you still know that you still, have a chance, a fighting chance to ensure that, deck doesn't get milked to death. When it comes to the Watcher, when they reach it, right, no doubt you can stop the Watcher, for one turn, you can stop the Ephemeral copy. But what you gonna do, about the, main copy, which is the big, boy version, which is the, original version the eleven seventeen zero 0 cost 1 where he drops it down you can't deal with it unless you have a stun you have obliterate and all that and that's why I say that when it comes to the watcher right, it really makes the whole game very different because when right in the past you still need to beat your opponent down and then close out the game and now with the watcher you can just win the game just by you know losing their die early mid game you just reach the watcher turn you drop it and boom easy I just win or you just start the game with are well, infinite amount of heals the amount of removal you drop the watcher and you win and so when it comes to it when it comes to nerfing it right i say that the card needs to get a whole overhaul maybe a rebalancing the first way i think about it is either you nerf Sandra, or you just nerf the watcher but that's the thing because the watcher and Sandra are two very independent sources let me explain Sandra is one card on its own no doubt Sandra can generate the watcher right and then the watcher just comes out on its own. That means the watcher has its own effect of obliterating the deck, and, and Lissandra has his own condition of leveling up and generating the watcher. There's two ways of nerfing it, or two ways of rebalancing it. First way is to nerf the watcher, second way is to change up Lissandra. And the first way I think about it is for Lissandra, the level condition can remain the same. And in order for Lissandra to generate the Watcher, you need to summon four 8 plus units. And the moment you generate four A-plus units... Okay, the first two where you level up Lissandra. You summon two more A-costs, Lissandra's effect activates, and the watcher is generated into your hand. And the watcher requires another set of requirements for it to be dropped. It requires you to summon two more a cost units for it to be dropped onto the field. I do know that even though they put it that way, it is still an incredibly easy way for it to be fulfilled. You can just drop double Ice pillar, and then you drop Matron, you copy Lissandra, and then you, all you need is one more copy. But it really stops a lot of plays, which means that your opponent really needs to have, what, double Fading Memories together with two Ice pillars, together with Matron, in order to make it work. And that's the magic of the thing in which I just suggested. It means that the board space will be clocked up to the point where you're not able to generate the Ephemeral copy of the Watcher, during the same turn. Because if you drop double Ice Pillar, and then you summon Lisandra, or you double Ice Pillar, you double... Yeah, okay, the only way is to have double Ice Pillar, you drop Lisandra, And then, the thing is that Lisandra needs to see another two more things being played while she's on the field, then she can generate the Watcher. And so this really limits the way that the Watcher can be played. And it does not provide that much flexibility, where you can just what drop four units before Lisandra levels up. You summon Lissandra, you get the Watcher, and then Watcher comes down zero cost. And so for this, you have to add in the fact that you'll generate a Frozen Troll. And so this makes the whole deck much more difficult to play, but still giving you the incentive of the board or the deck clear, or the deck obliteration, the deck destroyer effect by the Watcher. And this gives you one more extra turn to think about it, because your opponent needs to play two Ice Speeders, they drop Lissandra to trigger the level up effect, and then they still have to play two more Ice Speeders or two more A-cost units. To generate the watcher. And they still need to summon. Two more 8 cost units. To ensure that the watcher comes down. And that's why I say that. Really guys. The, the one turn watcher. Coming down. Because he, he can come down as early as turn 8. Because I, I I got destroyed by my opponent during the final round. My final game guys. He did. Pillar pillar. Fading memories. Pillar. Matron. Into. Lissandra. Summon the watcher. And I just lost. As early as turn 8. I thought I was winning the whole game. Until watcher came down. And I just lost the game. And that was really infuriating. But you know what? It happens, it happens. You know, there's always a time and place for everything. And I guess that I was not fated to go to the day two of these seasonals. I guess. And so that's the only way that I think if you nerf Lissandra from the root, that's where the Watcher can actually become more tolerable. And the other way is the Watcher. Increase the count to 6, 8 mana plus plus. Which means that Lissandra holds on to its effect. And the moment you get the watcher in your hand, right, you just need to fulfill four more eight plus cost minions to be summoned, and you can drop the watcher for free. This also is the same. It's very different from the previous way, which is the Sandra needs additional steps to generate watcher. Just for this, the watcher needs to see more units being played for it to be summoned. And I think that if I limit to do this way, right, it still can be abused by Matron, because Matron can still copy in your hand, and then the shenanigans still starts. But I think the 6-8 mana plus, plus still makes this kind of tolerable. The main copy of the watcher cannot come down that fast. And for the ephemeral copy, there will still be some form of counterplay. Because ephemeral copies have many different ways of being stopped, such as being stunned, they get destroyed end of the round. You can use something like uh you know you can hush it and then during your end turn of your opponent's end turn you get destroyed. And so there's a lot of different ways to, to do like place surrounding the, the Watcher's effect getting getting activated and you losing the game instantly. And so the Ephemeral copy, right, is, is the only one that you need to be worried about. Because Fading Memories, the Matron, right, will never ever be nerfed because those cards are not even useful until the Watcher came about. And I think for the time being, those cards will not ever be nerfed. Instead, you need to nerf the root cause, which is the Watcher itself. And another way, if you think of actually making Watcher more tolerable is... By changing the effect which is instead of obliterating the whole deck watcher obliterates half of your opponent's deck or you destroy all non-champions and can only be used once per game and so when you do this right it also makes it become like a maokai which means that it cannot be used more than once you cannot abuse it because even though you can buy yourself one turn which is shuffling a champion card back in the old ways or the current way your opponent just needs to pass and if you play the champions where he attacks he obliterates Unless you have another copy, you shuffle back, and then you buy yourself one more turn. And that's the point in which I think the Watcher needs to be changed. It needs to be allow more be- reverberable counterplays. If not, the game is just going to be very, very sad. It's a very sad state, even though the meta can play a lot of decks. But a lot of decks get checked by Trundle Lissandra. And also by Trash Nasus, another deck, which, which main card I'm going to be talking about later. And also Lissandra also has a lot of problems such as the infinite eye shards together with the armor on the Nexus, which I'll get into in the future. And so let's talk about the final card, the final portion of today's podcast, Atrocity. This card has survived the test of time. It has been the main focal point of Dehu Who Endure and now in the form of Nasus. Can, if I can think about it, the only way that Endure really is good is the insurance policy of Atrocity. The overwhelm is great, it just closes down a lot of games. But the main point of it is Atrocity. And now with Nasus, Nasus really doesn't do much. Like, no doubt, your spell shield, it, it gets bigger when he attacks, it gives everything minus one, boo-hoo-hoo, it's very strong. Yes, I do get it, guys, it's very strong. But here's the point, guys. Nasus doesn't have overwhelm, he just hits, you just have enough thing to block, and it's just a wall of attrition, Nasus is just one creature. But the one thing that makes Nasus so strong is his spell shield together with, not, with the atrocity. And without spell shield, atrocity just sucks. And then are right on negation, they have all that, which is the Shurima package. And Shurima on its own is not even powerful. Right on negation is also not that great. The main point is atrocity, together with the spell shield. Because spell shield makes atrocity great. Which means your opponent needs double layer of destruction to get through to Nasus. And when they get through it, you have right on negation. Which is another problem on his own. And so I'll say that atrocity has been a long time coming. It's the big reason why Dehu and Dior is good. It's the only reason why Nasus trash is good. Because without atrocity, Nasus Trash has a, has the problem of closing out games. Because no doubt the mid-game is great, you know, the battle caretaker into the curse keeper. I mean curse keeper into battle caretaker, if you get what I mean. And the spirit leech together with the trash, multiple Nasus coming down, na- multiple Susans hitting you. And really, the game doesn't close until Atrocity is played. And that's what guys, the root cause of the problem is atrocity. For time and time again, I've always been saying that atrocity needs to become like Ring of Destruction. Basically, it means atrocity deals the damage to both players instead of just one player. Because like I mentioned, the same problem with TLC, same problem with Lee Zoe, your opponent can play like a Pepega. They just drop Zo- <laughs> Lee Sin, they, they just give you a Zenith Blade, jam, 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 boom, they just win the game. I do know there are some points where you need some skill to play the game, but really, when it comes to it, there's some some hands are just so Degenerate or just so predictable where you can just easily win the game from there. And another thing that you guys have to understand is TLC, Watcher just wins the game, easy game. Before that it was always Feel the Rush, together with Atrocity by the way, and Atrocity just closes out game. Because sometimes Trundle and Trinome can't close out games. Your opponent has some way of blocking here and there. Enough high-half total and all that. But suddenly you just play atrocity and again just snap, you just win the game. And for now, Nasus with Atrocity the Spell Shield together with the Riot Onigation, Negation. Those two cards are fine. Nasus is okay. Riot Negation is okay. The problem is... Atrocity. Really, really, really. If we remove Atrocity, right, Nasus Trash will not be the powerhouse it will be. But Nasus is still Nasus. The presence of it on the board, the minus one, together with the, each time it gets hit, it gets stronger and stronger. It's just one unit. Then your opponent will need to find a way to give it the Zenith Blade. <laughs> to give it the overwhelm, if not some form of overwhelm to give it, you know, lucky fine or something. And yes, as so well, the only way that I can see this card being hit is the right way, which is deal damage to both players, force a draw, eliminate both decks. I know it sounds ridiculous, it sounds like Ring of Destruction for Yu-Gi-Oh! like I said, many many times. Because the only way to nerf the atrocity, right, is through the Ring of Destruction way. Because it is the ultimate way to make the card seem not too oppressive. Because atrocity is something which I've been saying for a very long time. This card is just bonkers. Everything else in the game is fine. Fiora got hit, another Wing Kong card. I always think that Fiora is a champion where a lot of people design their decks around. Atrocity is a sort of deck where people design their decks around. They could endure Nasus. Because let's be honest, if atrocity doesn't exist, right? Trash Nasus will be trash. I just say it outright. Trash Nasus is trash... Trash Nasus is trash without atrocity. Because you can't close out games without it. If not, the only other way is to deal half the damage. That's being very reasonable, which is really very powerful. And I'm very tired of games being stolen from a lot of players. Just from your players playing like crap, they drop Nasus, they drop atrocity, boom, easy, I win. And the same way is for the Watcher. I can play like crap, I just attack, and then I just win. So really, there are a lot of plays where the root causes such as the Watcher and Atrocity together with Lee Sin and Fiora are the four big pillars of why Legend Terra will never ever be a game where it comes down to really skill and all that because there's some cards which really polarise and make everything just look bad because you can just play decks where everything is so clear-cut clear-cut, win cons and you just win the game and for this I can really say that the Watcher and Atrocity the two ways of nerfing it is something which I've suggested today and I do hope that Riot takes it into account to probably make it more tolerable. And that's all I have for today. Thanks so much guys for listening. And I'll be having some guests in the near future, so you do want to check out for that. And do don't forget to check out my Twitter at All the everything is in the description box below. And you can check out my Twitch stream because I'll be streaming Runeterra regularly. Because I do know that I still have a very strong chance of qualifying for Worlds and it's something which I want to achieve this year. If I can't do it this year, then maybe I'll take a little short break Then I'll come back next year. But this podcast will still be ongoing for the time being because I do enjoy talking about the game, about thinking about the game, concepts and all that. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Don't forget my Twitter, my YouTube, my Twitch and all that. And I'll see you guys on the next episode, which is next week. And I'll probably see you guys on stream as well. And that's all I have for today, guys. Take care, all the best for day two, and that's game.